0: This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And that is Courtney ECK. Our last names are ECK. We are sisters. And it's not a clever play on the word maniac, much to a lot of your surprise. <laughs> I don't blame you for thinking that's what we're doing, yeah. but it's our last name. Just to clear it up, occasionally we need to check in on that and let you know that our last name is ECK. And we're here to talk about true crime, specifically yeah. murder, and it's Sadie's Day. And what are you going to tell us about today, Sadie Ray?
1: This is the terrible Gallaudet murders. Uh-huh. Yuck. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say it's going to be a two-parter. Uh-huh. Up front. So this is part one. Thank you, Delhi Mozingo, for taking the time to put this terrible story together.
0: Thank you, Delhi. You are always appreciate it. give us these terrible gifts every yes, week.
1: That we really, really appreciate so much. So much. 19-year-old Eric Plunkett had always dreamed of attending Gallaudet University, which is a private college located in Washington, D.C., It boasts a 99-acre campus with striking gothic architecture and is primarily known for being a school for the deaf.
0: Isn't Washington, D.C. 99 acres big? How is there a school that's
1: 99 acres big in a city that's 99 acres big? Yes, That's what I thought. That seems like a big campus. Huge. Referred to as, quote, the Harvard of the deaf... It was established by Congress in 1864 as the nation's first and only four-year liberal arts university for the deaf and hearing impaired. Jane Fernandez, the former provost, described Gallaudet as, quote, a beacon of hope for all deaf people in this country and around the world. It has admitted hearing students since the year 2000, but still has an intimate feel with a student body of approximately 1,000 students today. An article in the Washington Post called it a place where, quote, things are felt, not heard. Instead of knocking on doors, people used light switches, and they relied on two-way pagers that vibrated, as it was a time before widespread texting through cell phones. Mm -hmm. Eric was born, quote, severely deaf and suffered from cerebral palsy, conditions that resulted after Eric's mom contracted German measles while pregnant. They learned that he was deaf at eight months old. Eric's parents read books on how to raise a deaf child took American Sign Language courses, and began teaching him ASL almost immediately. Good, parents, good for you. Eric quickly became known for his ever-present smile and boundless energy. His mom said that, quote, Even when he was tiny, he was always smiling. There's very few photos that we have of him where he's not smiling and just letting out that energy. He was incredibly kind and optimistic, choosing to view his deafness as a gift. One day in a crowded mall with his mom, he smiled and said, quote, Mom, it must be so loud in here. <laughs> but it is. Hey, guess what? It is. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Eric was determined and had a strong need to travel and be independent. Every year for Christmas, he asked his parents for a plane or train tickets. In high school, he attended a boarding school for the deaf in Oregon, where they lived at the time, and then transferred to a boarding school for the deaf in Minnesota when his family decided to move there. His adventurous spirit even led him to experiment with colorful hair dyes, sometimes dyeing it bleach blonde or red, depending on his mood. Buddy. When Eric received his acceptance decision from Gallaudet in the mail, it arrived at his parents' home. Unable to wait until the weekend when Eric would be coming home to visit, his mom secretly opened it herself. Oh my God. I would never be able to not open it. No, I think it's smart as a mom. You You either get to be really excited or prepare for the disappointment, but either way, I'm okay with her opening that Mm -hmm. mail for him. Then she and her husband, Eric's stepdad, arrived at the boarding school to deliver the news. He met them in the lobby and was concerned that he was in trouble for something until they handed him the acceptance letter. Mm. When he looked up from reading it, he saw that they had brought him tons of balloons to celebrate. Mm. Eric's mom remembers him jumping up and down, screaming with excitement. Oh, God. No. Uh, Back in the day, too, where you had to wait for the letter versus get the email. Right. Oh, God. Torture and also the best. Mm -hmm. When his mom and stepdad dropped him off at school, they had the same concern as any parent would when sending their child off to college and weren't overly worried about him. He made fast friends with lots of people on campus, including the people living in his dorm, which was Cogswell Hall. He had an open-door policy. If he was awake and at home, his door was open. It became a natural spot for his newfound friends to gather. He would also call friends over when they passed by his room to share items from the care packages his family sent and to show off pictures of his baby sister, whom he adored. <laughs> and did watch a show about this case. And it's just picture after picture of him. And he was an older teen when his little sister was born. Yeah. And just like his huge smile, holding this little teeny tiny baby. Oh, God. Like so excited to be a big brother. <laughs> and how cute is that this 19, 18, 19 year old kid is yeah. showing off pictures of his baby sister. <laughs> Extremely cute. <laughs> Extremely He quickly became close friends with a drama student named Thomas Minch, who lived in the residence hall next to his and was originally from New Hampshire. Thomas was born into a family where his deafness was completely normal. Both his parents, younger brother and five cousins were deaf. They lived in a historic New Hampshire town where the Minch family was well known and respected within the local deaf community. Thomas became a bridge builder between the deaf and hearing worlds, and his patience and respectfulness when interacting with folks who didn't know ASL earned the admiration of those around him. When he was 16, he began working as a bagger at a local supermarket. His boss recalled, quote, he wanted to work the cash register, and frankly, we just weren't so sure about that. But we finally let him have a try, and he was great. Of course he was. Of course he was. Thomas attended a public school where he had the support of interpreters, but he also learned to read lips and speak fairly well. He thrived in high school, even participating in drama productions, where he played a lead role by mouthing the words while someone offstage said them aloud. He was accepted to Gallaudet University during his senior year and was extremely excited. In August of 2000, Thomas's family helped him move into his dorm It's not clear exactly when, but at some point during the start of the semester, Eric and Thomas became friends. Their family sat together at a speaking event during new student orientation before they hugged their kids goodbye and headed back home. For Eric's family, it would be the last time they would hold him. On the evening of September 28th, just a month into the semester, friends became concerned when they noticed Eric's door was closed. A friend alerted an RA and mentioned that Eric hadn't attended their shared math class, which was unusual for him.
0: Mm, Come,
1: just be okay. Just be okay. No, turn this into a different show, real quick. No, we need Eric here. Oh God. The RA used a master key to enter Eric's room. Inside, Eric was dead on the floor with blood everywhere. Oh God. Campus security reported the murder to D.C. police, who quickly descended on campus. Detectives immediately knew that Eric had been violently beaten to death. (gasps) The wing of Cogswell Hall, where Eric lived, was closed off and considered a crime scene. Students who lived in that wing were moved out of the building. Provost Jane Fernandez reflected on this night, saying, I just remember it being awful. The students had to leave the dorm. They couldn't go in and get anything. All of their books, clothes, their underwear, their toothbrush, their money. Everything was in their room and everything was locked down. Mm -hmm. So I would describe the students as homeless. And I just think about teachers in general. Yeah. Even with being in college, they are technically adults, but. Very newly adults, like pretty much still children. That's a huge responsibility. Because they're brand new on their own and they don't have their mommies and
0: daddies and comforts and things.
1: Yeah. And I think that there is definitely an expectation when you send your kids to college, they're going to be relatively safe. And they're definitely not going to get murdered in their dorm rooms. Fuck no. And so that experience for her is the head of the college and I just, my heart breaks for everybody. It's so awful. Awful. Nobody could predict that there was going to be a killer in the campus. Mm -hmm. It was a safe place before. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do at this point. Nothing that anybody could do to stop this from happening. The university suspended classes and some students did not return for a week. At the same time, more than a thousand miles away, Eric's mom and stepdad awoke in the middle of the night to the sound of knocking on their front door. (laughs) Two uniformed officers and a chaplain had been sent at the request of the D.C. Metropolitan Police. They didn't know any details themselves, but said something had happened to Eric and gave them the phone number of a detective in D.C. who had more information. Nightmare. Nightmare. They got on the first plane to D.C. that they could. The next evening, a vigil was held outside Eric's first floor window. Students held candles and each took turns saying something about Eric a friend they'd known for only a short time. They used a tree by Eric's window to leave handmade signs, carnations, and pictures of Eric. Hundreds of students hugged Eric's parents and offered them their condolences. And as the reality of the situation began to set in for the students, they all became very, very scared. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Beaten being being to death. Being in his dorm room. It's something I kept thinking about while going over the story is the fact that most all of these students are deaf or hearing severely hearing impaired mm. and that you could get away with murdering somebody in a dorm room because oh nobody God. could hear it oh makes my God. me wanna vomit. Yep. Good. And I point. think it's really horrible point. Yeah. And I just I don't think that there would be many other opportunities to beat somebody to death in a dorm room no. and get get away with it. Oh my God. Ugh. The prosecutor, Jennifer Collins, later said that when she walked around the campus, the sense of fear was palpable. It was paired with the feeling that this was no longer an ordinary college campus. For the students, this was the equivalent of a deadly home invasion. The freshmen weren't even comfortable in this new environment yet, and now they feared for their lives. Mm -mm. Everyone stayed in their rooms. If they left their rooms at all, they went in pairs or small groups. They were also uh, talking, the students there at the time, were talking about how even though you would pair up, you didn't ever know if you were pairing with the wrong person.
0: Oh, my God. Good point. God. Yeah. So they were like, <laughs> yeah, OK,
1: we maybe are safe with you, but they didn't know. Right. Ugh. Behind locked doors, people were whispering. Rumors started to spread as people theorized who could have done this. Some suspected that Eric's murder was perpetrated by someone who lived in one of the neighborhoods near the campus. But this was a small gated campus where ID cards were needed to access dorms. Detectives working the case suspected that Eric was murdered by a fellow student, someone he knew. An autopsy showed that Eric had been strangled from behind, then kicked in the head as he lay on the floor. Mm. The D.C. Metropolitan Police Chief told the public that a chair in Eric's room was likely used in the incident. The injuries and blood spatter suggested that he had been struck multiple times with the chair. Forensic scientists said that the multiple impacts may have been a sign that this was a passionate, anger fueled murder. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can't, like, how often do we hear of somebody beating someone else to death? Right? Yeah.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So personal. Detectives already had a suspect. A fellow student informed the police about a physical altercation between Eric and his close friend, Thomas. Eric and Thomas had spent time together shortly before Eric's death, and allegedly Eric, who planned to join the university's gay fraternity and was openly gay when he died, made romantic advances toward Thomas, who wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. When police brought him in for questioning, Thomas was visibly nervous. He provided an inconsistent account of the last time he'd seen Eric. After a four-hour interrogation, police called Eric's parents to let them know that Thomas confessed and had been arrested. Uh-oh. Eric's mom said the moment brought a huge relief. Now that they could learn why her son had been killed and what had happened, they could finally move forward. The entire campus felt this way as well.
0: I'm nervous because I know this is a long case. I'm
1: nervous as I'm not the guy. And right. Oh! Everyone felt like they could finally take a deep breath. Poor Thomas. But there was one problem. Turns out that Thomas didn't confess to murder. In fact, he didn't even confess that he'd gotten into a fight with Eric. On the night of the incident, Thomas simply clarified to Eric that he had come to hang out, not for a romantic encounter. Mm -hmm. According to him, there was no fight, verbal or otherwise. When asked by police if he'd pushed or shoved Eric, Thomas said no. But when the interrogation wrapped up, a detective noted in the police report that Thomas admitted to knocking Eric to the ground and police arrested him. He was then placed on suicide watch. What? So again, with these p- cops who are just like, I'm going to make it the way I want it to be. Oh,
0: my God. He's no, I just set a clear boundary. I wasn't I'm not homophobic. I just didn't mm-hmm. want to hook up with him. And I expressed as such. And he said, OK, fine. And then we played video games or whatever. Exactly. Not yeah. every guy is f- f- absolutely freaked out to the point of violence exactly. when another man expresses affect like affection
1: or attraction. Exactly <laughs> like, right. And be- and this is early. God. this is two, the year 2000. <laughs> And exactly right. I'm sure the cops were like, oh, okay, that we got our guy. Oh, he was gay. Yep. Definitely mm -hmm. somebody killed him for that. Yeah, he tried to hit on somebody, and that's cause for murder. No. No, guys. Nope. The next morning, when Thomas was expected to be arraigned in front of a judge, prosecutors dropped the charges against him. Thankfully, the prosecution didn't agree that this was a murder confession. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. Even if he had confessed to getting into a fight with Eric, it wasn't enough to hold him on suspicion of murder.
0: Also, just so, like how about all of a sudden, like everybody, is, oh, this guy's a giant homophobe, which he was never, but that you can't take that back. You can't mm, really mm. put the horse back in the barn after that's out.
1: You yeah. Know? Not only that, but then to also be arrested for murder.
0: Sorry, that's what I meant. Like aside from getting framed for murder. Yes. Even if people believe you didn't murder him, they're going to assume that there was an altercation, which is why you were put in that position in the first place. But if Mm -hmm. there was neither, you're still fucked because Mm -hmm. you're still a bad person because you were fighting with your gay friend,
1: which he was not. No. Police released Thomas from custody, but they told him he wasn't allowed to return to campus. Oh, my God. Once again, now you're a murder suspect who's kicked Mm -hmm. out of school and you didn't do anything. Right. You have to go back to New Hampshire and not get an education. Oh, my God. Thomas was forced to return to New Hampshire to stay with his parents. When police notified Eric's mom that Thomas had been released, she was livid. She was still under the impression that Thomas had admitted to killing her son. And now the very next day, police were telling her that he had been released. You got to give the mom a little bit more details. About well, it. It's just also not that hard to not frame people for
0: murder. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm so sick of all these people getting framed for murder all the time. I, honestly.
1: So we very need to stressful. move on.
0: We need to move yes. on as a society or, and as a
1: podcast. Yes, God. I know. Gallaudet students were upset too, fearing that a killer was released into the world to kill again. Investigators found brunette hair on Eric's body and wanted to compare it to Thomas's, so they sent it off for testing and waited As police kept their focus on Thomas, the trail went cold very quickly. But that changed when Eric's parents received his credit card statements in the mail the next month and learned that someone had been using Eric's credit card after his death. Cool. The card was used just one day after his body was found, and it had been used more than 10 times since. Wow. Normally, police would be monitoring a murder victim's financial accounts if they knew that their debit or credit cards were stolen. But in this case, the lead detective never figured out that Eric's wallet was missing. <laughs> Why, you might ask? Because they weren't doing an investigation. They were just framing people for murder. Basically. <laughs> Unbeknownst to Eric's family or the public, police had failed to perform a routine inventory of Eric's room. Ugh. To see what was missing. I just physically shivered. Like the most basic thing. I am not an investigator, but I understand that you probably want to inventory what is and is not in the room of a murder victim. It's not even a big room. It's a dorm room. And we all know those are teeny tiny.
0: Yeah. You could pretty much just twirl around once and do a quick inventory and be like, yep. Several things that humans own are missing from this room. I could tell in one twirl.
1: And the number one thing you should make sure he has, even if you don't inventory the entire room, you should think, is this a robbery? Did they steal his wallet? We yep. can't find a wallet. Yep. <laughs> even if you do find a wallet, you should probably go ahead and monitor his bank accounts just in case he had a couple of debit cards or something. I just, God. Uh, I know. I know. By the time police tried tracking down the security footage at the places where the card was used, it had already been taped over. Detectives were now completely out of leads. Over the next few months, life was returning to normal on campus. Administrators worked to strengthen its security and had ordered 12 new surveillance cameras. Midterm exams came, then finals week, then winter break, then the spring semester began. It was a new beginning. But the fear that students had in the back of their minds that the killer would kill again became a reality. Mm. Just four months after Eric's death, on February 3rd, another student was found murdered in the same residence hall. Mm -mm. A fire alarm was pulled at 4.15 a.m. and all the students filed out except for one. An RA conducted a standard room-by-room check and found 19-year-old Ben Varner unconscious in his room. He had been stabbed multiple times to death with a paring knife. Oh, my God.
0: Why? I have I never heard of this case. I, I
1: This know. is crazy. Deli? I know, Deli. Thank you. And you're not. You're also in timeout. <laughs> Thank you. And you're not welcome. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to say I, that. I just can't. I was just at a college. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine I can't imagine.
1: It feels like the two thousand version of the Idaho kill
0: where all the roommates were. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is horrifying. That case is psychotically awful. But it was one, one and done. Mm-hmm. This is multiple kids die at. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm.
1: that's so awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at a prestigious college for the deaf. Oh, Give me a break, please. <sighs>
0: You guys, this episode is sponsored by Factor. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you feel up with fast, chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. And guess what? What? They are also actually delicious. They yeah, really, really are. Eat. Good. Yeah. Surprisingly good.
1: Yes, I agree. Like very flavorful, filling, yummy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Interesting, creative. Mm-hmm. I was shocked, mm-hmm. quite frankly. I was not expecting a lot from Factor, and Factor blew it out of the water for me.
1: Totally agree with you. Adjust your just stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals ready to eat in two minutes.
0: Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Uh, Yes, a very 100% much am. Mm -hmm. Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad
1: toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave Mm -hmm. required. I need to check those out. Yum. Honestly. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals.
0: Hoo, And buy Environment, environment. Whoa! Yeah, but for real, you guys, I was quite, quite stunned when we tried them for the first time. Delicious, mm-hmm. easy, and they also have smoothies that are quite delicious mm-hmm. and filling and yummy. So yeah, check it out for real, for real, for real. If you need something that's easy, it's not packed full of sodium
1: and gross stuff, mm-hmm. give it a try. Totally. Head to factormeals.com slash they will 50 and use code they will 50 to get 50%, 50% off. That's code they will 50 at factormeals.com slash they will 50 to get 50% off. If we, of. if
0: we use the codes <laughs> on our own selves, does it count toward our
1: own thing? Guess I'm about to find uh, out because I want so. of those freaking meals, man. <laughs> Yeah, go do it. 50% off. Check it out. The provost Fernandez later said, quote, security told me that another student had been found murdered and I just screamed. Yeah. Ben Varner was a sweet introverted kid from San Antonio, Texas. He was born with a profound hearing deficiency, but was not completely deaf. Both of his parents and sister were hearing, but deafness ran in his family on his dad's side. He began wearing hearing aids at eight months old. Since he did have the ability to hear, his mom wanted him to be able to live successfully in both hearing and deaf social environments. She didn't have extraordinary goals for him. She just wanted him to be able to comfortably exist in the hearing world. Quote, I wanted him to be able to pull up to a gas station someday and say, fill it up or go to a restaurant and say, I want a hamburger without mustard. She ordered teaching guides designed for parents with children who are hard of hearing. She laid next to him on the floor while he was still a baby to get him to concentrate on listening with his hearing aids. She hoped that it would lead to him learning to speak. And five months later, he did. His first word was hot. He learned it the night before when his mom pointed at the stove and said, hot stove. He crawled into the kitchen, pointed at the stove the same way, and said, hot. She continued to teach him words by speaking to him all day, describing every small move she was making. When he got old enough, Ben started attending a school for deaf children. Starting in third grade, they sent him to public school in an effort to teach him ASL through school interpreters because the school he was at didn't teach it. Mm. But Ben didn't care to learn ASL. He preferred to listen. Unlike Eric, Ben struggled with his deafness. His mom said he would come home exhausted from straining to hear all day. Yeah, that would be hard. That would be really hard. Despite his challenges, Ben excelled in school and was an avid learner. He read extensively on various subjects, whatever captured his attention at the moment. After researching Middle Eastern culture and Islam for a religion paper, he joined the Islamic Center of San Antonio and converted to Islam at just 13 years old. Body. Ben's high school principal remembered him saying, "quote He just liked to be left alone to do his thing, sit off by himself, and read his travel books." I can relate. Yeah, me too. When it was time to apply for college, Ben chose Gallaudet because of the rich mix of cultures in D.C. that would allow him to have more international experiences. (laughs) Ben's mom was happy with his choice as the support system would allow him to learn more comfortably. When move-in day came in August of 2000, they went to Gallaudet together. His mom stayed in a hotel near campus, and Ben visited her there before she went back home to Texas. Ben held her and cried as he said goodbye. Oh, buddy. God. I know. He shut the door as he left the room and they both cried on the other side of the door together. (laughs) Oh, God. He wrote her emails every day. When Ben's parents were notified of his death, they flew to D.C. to meet with the Gallaudet officials. A memorial service was held soon after, where Provost Fernandez emphasized the importance of remembering Ben's legacy. Eric's parents flew to D.C. as well to attend the memorial service. When given the opportunity to speak, Eric's mom said, quote, I know your pain. It hurts deep in your soul like no pain you have ever known. Mm. I'm so sad that they have this support system. That's the most fucked up thing to have to be connected yeah. by. But also, yeah, I'm so glad that they took the time to go be with Ben's parents. Absolutely. Police closed Cogswell Hall for the rest of the semester after Ben's murder. The students who lived there were moved to other dorms. Police checked IDs and recorded the license plates of vehicles entering campus. All gates on campus were closed except for one, forcing visitors and students to enter through a gate manned by a security guard. When detectives learned of the second murder, they felt pretty confident they knew who had done it. Thomas. Just kidding. (laughs) It just so happened that Thomas Minch was back in D.C. testifying (gasps) in front of a grand jury that day. Shut up. Right? He had been subpoenaed by the D.C. Metropolitan Police to allow the grand jury to decide whether Thomas could be ruled out as a suspect for Eric's murder. What? Thomas flew to D.C. for the hearing on February 2nd, and Ben was found murdered around 4 a.m. on February 3rd. It was possible that Thomas had stopped by Gallaudet's campus and murdered him before he was scheduled to fly back to New Hampshire. Give
0: me a break. What kind uh, of no. garbage serial killer do you think you're dealing with here?
1: Right. Oh,
0: my God. See, when I joke and then I feel bad and I almost say, take that out. That wasn't a funny joke. And then it's true. That's fucked up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes. When my
1: joke is a reality. Oh, oh, no, you I guys. Know.
0: No. Oh, help. Somebody help
1: us. No. Well, to make things worse, when investigators looked into Thomas's flight history, they found it very suspicious that Thomas didn't make his flight that was scheduled for February 2nd. He was supposed to leave that day, the same day he got there. He was supposed to leave. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Instead, he took a flight that left D.C. just a few hours after Ben's body had been discovered. I'm going to die of this. Hmm when his flight touched down in New Hampshire, police were there waiting for him. And that, ah, my little babies God. is where we're going to stop. Help me! Someone
0: help me! <laughs> Thomas! I'm sorry, I need Thomas' comfort. <laughs> I need Thomas to comfort me.
1: Oh, my God. oh, no. Try not to Google it if you can. It's a, a very interesting part, too. Remain in wonder. Remain in
0: just... Don't know until next week. I'll stay there with you. Uh, I'm sorry. uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I am just, oh my God. Okay, first of all, if I had a child, which I won't be for a million reasons, and just put this in the category of reasons (laughs) why I don't have children, because this is fucking horrible. And I dropped them off at school and they went to Cogswell Hall. Mm -hmm. I would be like, great. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to my child because they're, they live in Cogswell Hall. It's clearly enchanted. What would I ever have to worry about? Not a murderous psychopath preying on deaf students. Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, no. dude. No. Awful. Speechless. Awful. Awful thanks for nothing. thanks for everything. thanks for nothing, Deli
0: no, good one, man. you just keep finding these treasures, these horrible, horrible, monstrous treasures. I can't wait to find out what happens, and I'm just flabbergasted that anything like this happened.
1: in a place where
0: they can't hear if somebody's
1: getting murdered no,
0: no. Uh-uh. <laughs> It's so terrifying
1: to think about. I don't uh, it's too much. You and I both yeah. did AmeriCorps right after high school. And you immediately become best friends with everybody. Immediately. So when I was thinking like, oh, that's not very long for them to get to know him. It doesn't matter if Eric was only there for a month. He was already best friends with everybody because that's what you do. Oh, yeah. You immediately connect. You find your people. You have no other choice. No, you're having the time of your life. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're young people, you're in a shared sort of environment, whereas mm-hmm. like coming from high school where I felt very unsafe because mm-hmm. we grew up in the town next to the dra- Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. So there was all kinds <laughs> of reasons to feel a little wary of my peers going to AmeriCorps, going to college, going to Gallaudet, like where you're just assuming that everybody there is like you.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you end up next door to a, a serial killer.
0: Well, yes, everyone just hold off. Don't Google. Just wait. Just wait and wonder. You can do it. I believe in you. I will wait, too. I always do. I know I don't cheat on these. I actually kind of get <laughs> sad when it's my turn because then I have to know
1: ahead of time. You know what I mean? I know. I am sad. I know how this ends. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the week will go by fast.
0: Yeah, no, we'll make it. We can do
1: it if we stick together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Well, um, what do we got on the docket for today? Let's do a
0: quick, real quick, they will pill. Then we'll do some name time. Then we'll do some shouty outies. But I want to give a quick update because I have experienced the first major blowback in my journey to becoming a more full version of myself, becoming medicated, authentic, understanding myself, figuring out my neurodivergence and what that means for me and the people around me. I had somebody very, 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 very not my wife, but someone very close to me. Not Uh, me either. It was Sadie. This is our announcement. (laughs) (laughs) No, wildly close to me. Turns out harboring tons of resentment and judgment and threw it right on back in my face this week. And Mm -hmm. it was catastrophic. It was a huge deal. I'm okay. I'm actually very okay. It was shocking and stunning and devastating in a lot of ways, but also good because I was feeling it. I knew there was Mm -hmm. something going on there. I couldn't really put my finger on it. I was trying to suss it out. I will say that part of becoming medicated is there's an intensity that has come along with it for me. And it's a huge transition. There's no doubt about it. I know what this person was referring to and feeling frustrated with me. But rather than being curious and asking a single question about what I was going through or supporting me in any way, they just turned it into a thing where I was attacking them. And that, that is, could not be further from the truth. Anyway, I'm sorry to be vague, but it's personal and I don't Mm want to throw this person under the bus because it is what it is, but it's rough. I did not anticipate this. I just assumed that everybody would be on board and excited for me. Like Mm -hmm. it just, because I would be on board and excited for people who are going through that. And Laura and I have had some patches where it's been a transition and we've had to learn how to communicate with each other in different ways, etc. It's a much bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. And I think that anybody who has gone through anything like this, especially this late in your life. I mean, I'm 44 fucking years old. I've lived my life a certain way. People have known me for decades as a certain version of myself. And now there's a new version of me. I'm very surprised by it, but I did. I don't know. I just want to say that that's something to be prepared for.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's not just with getting medicated or having a new diagnosis. But anytime you start setting boundaries, you start living for yourself, trying to be authentically yourself. Yep. It's going to change relationships with people. and my sure. therapist would say that all the time to me. Just be prepared for it to cause tension and for that rockiness to continue until people either decide to stick with you and right. move on or uh, reject you. Yeah, and I think that's very much what you're experiencing, and it's just too bad that, yeah, the person you were close to can't figure out how to live in this new world that you're creating for yourself. Yes. Um, And I think that to just anytime you're dealing with mental health and your neurodivergence for me, it was similar, but different when everything changed for me. And suddenly I was very ADHD when my anxiety was under control and I had to, I couldn't figure out what was wrong, especially when I got medicated and I thought it would fix everything. Right. And in fact, I had to reevaluate my brain and how I think and work and start setting up systems for myself mm-hmm. so that I can function normally because I was letting people down and wasn't following through and was just in my own little la la land for a while. And so I think just being prepared for that and yeah. making sure that it's so important and helpful, but it's also can be really challenging.
0: It's been very lonely. It's been, mm-hmm. I've lost a lot of friends and, and a lot of that is me being like, oh, shit, I don't want to be friends
1: with you anymore. Yes, You're yes. not a
0: good friend. Being able to see it for the first time. I've never been happier. Mm-hmm. Hands down, no question. I would not ever not do this. I would never take this back, not for a single second. Any amount of loneliness and struggle that I've experienced is worth it. But mm-hmm. it was stunning. It was quite <laughs> frankly stunning. Yeah. But also I want to say we've had a lot of people reach out when we were talking about if you want to get diagnosed, if you feel this inside of yourself, please, please, please. And a lot of people reached out and we appreciate that. And I realize that we've never really talked about what our process has been. And part of that was because. We both used online services and I hesitated at first to talk about the online service because I didn't know if it was good. And I'm glad I didn't because it was terrible. (laughs) Mine was. Sadie's has been amazing. Mine was terrible. So do not use done under any circumstance.
1: (laughs) It's terrible service. I think that the rules, the laws have changed in America since COVID. Like They could do the telehealth services because of COVID and then... When the, whatever, like the emergency declaration ended, yeah. they that changes the rules for telehealth. So you also want to be careful about, I think you can now get diagnosed online yeah. for ADHD, but you can't
0: get receive medication
1: mm-hmm. without having a in person doctor evaluate you first or something, which kind of defeats the purpose of right. using online services. Right. So just a heads up if you're looking into that, it might be a good way. For me, I wanted to get the diagnosis online just because I felt like I felt very overwhelmed yes. about trying to do that in person or who do I talk to scheduling the appointments. But now I even I have to now find a new doctor who I see regularly in person to yeah. continue my medication.
0: Which I think is the responsible way to do it. But I also did the online version because of exactly that. If you have ADHD, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to get your shit together and figure it out. And it's not very clear when Mm -hmm. you're researching locally. And after the pandemic, a lot of doctors are not available. So Mm -hmm. finding somebody who's available, who's going to understand you, who has like updated information about what it means to be ADHD, Mm -hmm. especially as an adult, especially as an adult woman, is very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It, I do recommend finding somebody who specializes in ADHD. A lot of people yeah. talk to their primary care physician and their primary care physicians like LOL mm-hmm. because they're, they haven't really updated the criteria. It's not, it's still just not that widely known right? what um, it actually looks like to be inattentive, to be mm-hmm. an adult
1: woman or even a girl with ADHD. So yeah. Yeah. My primary care physician said to me, I said, I think I have ADHD. And she said, no, you just have anxiety. I was like, yeah, I, yes, I have that also, but I really, there's more to it. Yeah. And she just wouldn't hear me. She wouldn't address it at all, but I used ADHD online and they're expensive, but worth it.
0: Yeah. And I used done. Like I said, I do not recommend them at all. They're terrible, but I used them. And then I got diagnosed and then was able to go to a local doctor with the diagnosis. And it just was helpful. It was just helpful Mm to say, Hey, I've already been diagnosed. And then it expedites the process slightly. There's still an intake. There's still questions that are asked. You still have to do all of that, which you should, but it's just a lot less intimidating. And I will also say you guys, it they're not going to frame you for murder. <laughs> no, they're not going to like mm,
1: uh, it's going to be sure? okay. <laughs> I still I have been putting off making my new appointment forever cuz I'm pretty sure they're going to frame me for murder.
0: <laughs> it's so scary. It's so intimidating and you're like they're going to know, they're going to figure me I No, no, you just have a, you I'm have to
1: diagnose me with terminal illnesses. <laughs> yeah. <it's>
0: like no. <laughs> It's going to be okay. We're all in this together. Somebody's going to hear you out and believe you. It's Mm. fucking worth it. And you will feel like your closet has been cleaned out, which is simultaneously Mm. devastating, overwhelming, and so fucking relieving. So do it. And continue to reach out if you need help and you want extra support. But I just fear that there might be people who we've not responded to. And so I was like, I don't know why we haven't said this on the podcast yet. So there you go. There you go. Um, got some name time. Want a hard Your transition straight into name time? Baby kicks. All righty. We got some goodies this week. Speaking of, starting with Darian Too Good. goodies. <laughs> Stony Dykus. Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> the executive producer of the audiobook Missoula Rape and the Justice System in a College Town is Dan Zitt. Wow. Yeah. Dan Zitt is what I would make everyone Dan-zit. call me. <laughs> Dan No, Dan Zitt. Mrs. Bonk and Mrs. Bong. I feel like those are both (laughs) listeners that I have found in the comments. I found you on the Instagram. You have not submitted your own names, but you are to be celebrated. Mrs. Bonk and Mrs. Bong. Oh, my God. Come on. Meet each other. Find each other. BFF each other. Last name Glasscock. There's also a no name Colorado. Graham Leones, (laughs) Lioness. I don't know. L O I N E S. Lionese. Kenneth Cheeseborough. <laughs> I think I'm going to say
1: Cheeseburger. Cheeseborough. Cheeseborough. Cheesebro. Sorry.
0: I feel like I've brought up Kenneth Cheesebro before, but that is the lawyer, Trump's Coast Conspirator. Ken- Kenneth Cheesebro. Florian Jablonski is. The best name I've heard in a long time, Florian Jablonski. You are kidding me to just be in the world named Florian Jablonski. And when people ask you your name, you say Florian Jablonski at your service. At the detective, Florian Jablonski, no doubt. Tamara Fortunate or Tamara Fortunate. And then tomorrow fortune so they were looking for Tamara Fortunate and found Tomorrow Fortune oh my on God. Facebook. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speedy Martin. Whoopi DiCaprio. <laughs> Whoopi DiCaprio and Florian Jablonski better be fucking BFFs. So that's, that's all I have to right. say about it. All right. So somebody lives in an unincorporated area with about 70 people. <laughs> They say, Where I live, we have Bill Billings, John Johnston, and Willie Williams. <laughs> they said, Also, we have five Johns, three Susans, two Sean's, two Ezra's, and two Willie's, including Willie Williams and Bill Bill. What? Yes, and John Johnston.
1: How? Why?
0: I don't How? Know. I love don't know. it. Yes, 70 people, like five Johns. Yep. She said, We also have a family that apparently doesn't like the letter B. We have a Randon instead of Brandon. Oh my God. A Radley instead of Bradley. And a Brooklyn instead of Brooklyn. <laughs> Randon rules. Randon rules. That takes the winning cake.
1: I've been meeting a lot of kids named Ryland. Yeah, lately. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's always fancy, make, making Ryan fancy. I
0: feel like that is every <laughs> child born after 2015 is a Rylan right? now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Automatically. They're just like, okay, here's your Ryland, And you're like, no, it's my son. I would like to name it myself. Like, nope. <laughs> we take care of it for you. Here you go. Here's your Ryland. Okay. Goodbye. That's all. Okay. That's all. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! That's all. <laughs> Florian Jablonski at your service. That's what I'd say if I entered the investigation room or whatever it's called, interrogation room.
1: <laughs> Whoopi DiCaprio, I am here to get framed for murder.
0: Oh, you'd like a ADHD diagnosis? Well, Florian Jablonski at your service. I'm going to frame you for murder. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> if you're ADHD surveyor what's it called a diagnosis or yeah what's it called (laughs) obviously but what is it anyway god if if that person's name is florian jablonski run get out of there they're gonna frame you for murder
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh shit shit is right we're doing some shouty outies today yeah let's do
0: let's do a couple of them i feel a little weird but uh, (laughs) when do i not let's
1: see what happens yeah let's see what happens Let's go on this wild ride together, y'all. Yes. Um, yeah. So do you want your shouty outy in like six months? Join us over at our Patreon. Almost 70 episodes over there, y'all. Son of a bitch. I know, dude. They just keep adding up every week. It's so weird. It's so weird, I know. <laughs> yeah. Little as $5 a month. You can hang out. And it's really fun. It is really fun. Someone who did that. Uh, back on March 1st. Woo! Is, thank you so much to Chelsea T.
0: Chelsea, tell me all about it. Chelsea, teach me the things to know. Chelsea, show me where the red fern grows. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, tippy toppy of the time, together today is when we learn about each other in the most magnificent way. Pretty sure the red fern grows had a wolf in it, which is what reminded me of you. (laughs) You have fangs because you're a badass, but you also have a beautiful coat that is thick and people can't access it. And you have eyes that are lovely and your voice cuts through the night with the (laughs) haunting howl of your voice out in the... Sky to tell all the people who wonder why Chelsea is the bestest one. Chelsea is as bright as the sun. Chelsea <laughs> T stands for tenacity, terrificness, terrifying in her ability. To stun me
1: daily, Chelsea. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Do you need the baritone? Come on. No. <laughs> Try to harmonize me.
0: Chelsea.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: That's what I thought. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. Broadway, Broadway show. <laughs> All right. One more. This is going to get weird otherwise. It's already weird. It's getting a weirder It's always weird.
1: Yeah. Last, but certainly not least, thank you so much to Jean S. Jeans. (laughs)
0: What are you made of, jeans? Let's investigate, jeans, jeans. First of all, they come from gods. What? How do I know that? Well, I can just look in jeans, jeans, and see things like thunder and lightning and... (laughs) <laughs> pomegranates <laughs> clearly <laughs> <laughs> heaven and hell and sleep and night and the river hades or whatever it's called what's the river called uh, the nile no, god one with the gods oh um i don't know it's <laughs> not uh, and the river I'm just double down on Hades, which is actually <laughs> hell. But there's a river there, and that's what Thames? I see when I look in jeans, jeans. <laughs> see the, the things of gods and man, I see the place where they come together, I see the rumbling of the land, I see the heavens swelling, and jeans, jeans are full of these things, come on an epic adventure. Like that movie where Dennis Quaid got shrunk down into the size of a cell and went inside of someone's body. (laughs) Just like that movie, we'll go into Jean's jeans and get the answers to eternity. (laughs) And also probably fall in love or whatever Dennis Quaid did because it was the 80s. And that's what we did in the '80s. <laughs> jeans, jeans are among these things that I value, and I thank thee, Jean.
1: <laughs> Bravo, Courtney! Bravo!
0: Inner space, guys! I, mean, I want to remember Inner Space. <laughs> Classic. Not a movie that gets talked about very often. Not a movie I've thought of in 20, 30 years, but there we are. There we are.
1: Uh, Thanks for being here, everyone. Thank oh you so much
0: for being here. Thank you so much. Despite all odds, you remain here and we love you for it. If you want to continue to be here, you want to spend more time with us, you can always do so on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok or YouTube at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com. You can always email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com.
1: You can rate, review, and subscribe to us. Please. Yes, please. Thank you, A.J. Bergen, for Your music. <laughs> and remember... Oh, my
0: God. It's worth it. It's worth it. Just Mm -hmm. be your authentic self. You cannot imagine how much better you'll feel, how much better Mm -hmm. your life will get, how much more rich and fulfilling and a little confusing, but in a fucking cool way. And who doesn't like Mm -hmm. to be confused in a cool way? Isn't that what life's about? Curiosity, adventure, mystery? Go for yes, it, Babies, do it. You deserve it's worth
1: it. it. It's fucking yep. worth it. And uh, reach out to us if you need help. But you got this. You got it. It's it's okay. Call. Just make an appointment. Schedule your whole day for that one call and do it in the morning, and then you have a whole day free because you yeah. did the hard thing. It's true. So unless you get call. framed for murder, and Florian then Florian Jablonski
0: at nine 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 F R A M E D F the number four M mrbr <laughs> That's Florian Jablonski, 999, <laughs> F-R-A-M-E-D, the number 4, M-R-D-R. And done. You done. Medicated. Yeah. This life-changed, devastating sponsor. blowouts with best friends. Success. Yay. We can do it. <laughs> Love, Love you, guys. you We'll
1: see you real soon. See you Goodbye.
0: next time. Goodbye.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.